Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. So, today was supposed to be the start of a brand new series. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned that last week or not, but we are still in wild. This is wild number six. Um, I just couldn't let it go yet. You know, there's so many things in the word about our thoughts, how to order our thought life, our emotional well-being. You know, we, we have to be intentional about all of that. And so I think this word is going to set some people free today. I think our thoughts get particularly wild when we are wronged. Like when someone hurts us, there's evil in the world and it's done to us. We are, are the victim of something when we are wronged in some way. And, and of all the things that set us apart from the world, and there are many, this is probably the one that makes the least sense to a non-Christian. So it's probably the one, when done well, that sets us apart more than anything else. And honestly, even within the church, there are a ton of misconceptions about it. Forgiveness and justice in God's kingdom is very different than the world. And there's so many misconceptions. When we cross from dark to light, when we enter into God's kingdom, we get this wrong so often. What we do now not only affects now, but also heaven. It affects eternity. It affects later. And we've been placed in community and families. And our actions affect others, too. How we handle being wronged is so important in this world full of selfishness. I, I wish I could say, if you're wronged, you have to handle it well. But the reality is, when you're wronged, right? It's not an if, but a when. You're going to be wronged. And at some point, you're going to take offense. You're going to get hurt. How do we handle that when it happens? Should we be handling it differently as Jesus followers? How did he handle it when he was made fun of and mocked and insulted and assaulted and, and abused, right? And so today, we're going to look at a portion of Jesus' teaching on this. We're actually going to look at how he modeled prayer. When the disciples asked, Lord, how should we pray? You're always going off to pray, right? Teach us. Teach us how to pray like that. And Jesus answered with this. We're going to start in Matthew 6, verse 7 today. When you pray, Jesus said, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Notice, just before we move on to the next verse, notice Jesus doesn't say, forgive us our sins and forgive those who sin against us. He says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. As we have forgiven, right? He goes even further with this in verse 14. 
13 says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know about you, but that verse is a little scary. Forgiveness is a huge part of how we live as Jesus followers. It's a huge part of our relationship with God because if we have it, all lines of communication are open. If we don't, God doesn't forgive my sins either. Forgiveness with God is a two-way street. Two-way street. So, before we move on from wild, right, this series where we've been talking about our thought life and how our thoughts, many of us, are, we've allowed the weeds to grow up in our thought life. It's gotten a little wild up there over the past year, and we need to learn how to tame it. It is possible to tame it. It's possible to have control over that part of yourself, right? To give it to God and give him the control. And so I want to go over some common misconceptions about forgiveness, among Christians. So I'm talking to the church today, not the world. We already have an understanding and culture built around the concept of forgiveness, right? Jesus set us free. He has already forgiven us of so much, and yet we still have some misconceptions about what forgiveness actually means. And so, number one, common misconception. You don't have to do anything to receive God's forgiveness. How many times have we heard this in sermons and altar calls? You don't have to do anything to receive it. Jesus has already done it. And that's true. He already has. You do not have to earn forgiveness from God. It's a small difference. But it's huge, actually. Many of us feel like we have to earn forgiveness. It's not true. The only thing that we have to do is accept it. You don't have to do anything, but you do have to accept forgiveness. Right? Very clearly on this. You do not have to earn it, but you do have to accept it. It's a big, big, massive difference. I know it doesn't sound like much, but it's massive because God gives us a choice. He gives us a choice. Now, this is one of the common arguments against God, actually, theodicy. I mean, it's the question of, could a good God allow this evil to exist in the world? The thing is, a good God created love. He is love, actually. It's not something he does. It's not a way that he behaves. It's who he is. He is love. God is love. And so for love to exist in his creation, there has to be choice. You cannot force someone to love you. It's a choice. Love is a choice, and therefore we have the choice to accept forgiveness or not to love God or not to choose selfishness or selflessness. It's a choice. You can accept it. Accepting forgiveness and choosing to walk in it and forgive yourself is an active choice. This is not passive. It takes work. But that's not to say that you have to do work to earn it. Right? We cannot earn the forgiveness of God. Earning it is religion. Earning it is jumping through hoops arbitrarily. It's works-based faith. We don't have that. We have grace. There is grace in Jesus. But there is something you have to do, and that is to 
accept it. We have to accept it. We have to allow it. We have to stop actively working against it, right? Accepting it, however, is easier said than done, isn't it? We sometimes have a really hard with this because we know we ultimately don't deserve it. Which brings me to the next common misconception. Number two, forgiveness must be earned. Here's where we get tripped up. We believe that other people don't deserve forgiveness. Right? They don't deserve my forgiveness. How could they? Look what they did. They don't deserve it. Of course they don't. No one said they should deserve it because, in fact, you cannot earn forgiveness. It must only be given. When we believe that others have to earn forgiveness, then we also look at God and our relationship with him and feel like we must earn it. Forgiveness is a gift. It cannot be earned. Peter didn't earn Jesus' forgiveness for denying him. Jesus gave it freely and called him to be the rock upon which he would build his church. Right? The thief hanging on the cross beside Jesus didn't do anything to earn forgiveness. He couldn't have. He just asked for it. And Jesus gave it. Right? The woman at the well, the, the woman accused of adultery, the man lying on a mat. So many examples of Jesus' forgiveness being given alongside simple faith nothing more. So what, I should just continue to let them hurt me over and over? Is that what you're saying? Now, number three, actually, common misconception is that trust should be given alongside forgiveness. It's not true. They're two very different things, trust and forgiveness. Jesus never said to trust everyone. He said to trust God and love everyone. There's a difference. In fact, Jesus never said to even trust yourself, but to trust in God alone. Right? Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 28, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Trust doesn't have to go hand in hand with forgiveness. Meaning you can have boundaries up with some people and still forgive them. It is possible. They do not have to go hand in hand. In fact, Matthew 18 is something we go to a lot around here. There's actually only three or four verses in Matthew 18 that we talk about a lot as a staff over the years. We, it's a um, sort of a housekeeping thing. You want to go over it occasionally to remind ourselves how to deal with confrontation. There's a, a point you reach in a conflict where you can no longer treat someone like a fellow believer anymore. It's not about love. It's about trust. It's not to say that you don't love them. It means you shouldn't trust them anymore. And because this is so important in the church today, probably always, let's be honest, uh, I'm going to read this passage word for word. I want you to hear this. Matthew 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, we're talking about believers here, people you should trust, see as family, go to church with them, right? If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Did it say, if another believer sins against you, go around and tell everybody else before you tell them? 
another believer sins against you, announce it publicly on Facebook. Is that what it says? No. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Point it out, not attack them, not try to hurt them back. Point it out. Hey, you did this. Is that what you meant by that? (laughs) This hurt me, right? This isn't okay. It's okay to go and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. And here's the point in all of this. Winning them back. You're not going to hurt them. You're not going to throw arrows and daggers back at them to hurt them as much as they've hurt you. You're going to win them back. If they listen and confess it, you've won them back. Verse 16, but... There is a but here. Now, 90% of the time, maybe I shouldn't use real numbers because there's no way to actually tell, but the vast majority of the time, step one here works. You've won them back. Going privately to someone, and by the way, it must be in person. It's better in person. I guess phone call would work too, but don't do this via text, people. Just saying. Don't confront people over text or email. Just don't do it. If, you, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. It works the vast majority of the time. You're friends again. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. Someone says they're sorry. There might be some tears. And you're good. But if it doesn't work, the Bible can be so practical. <laughs> telling us how to handle these things. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. So that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. That you've gone into a little bit of a different mode here. It didn't work the first time. I need help. You take two or three and go back again. Verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. There is a formula for working things out with people. And let me tell you, it works. I have seen it work. I've used it myself. I've counseled so many other people like, wait, 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 don't tell me this. Have you talked to them first? Go talk to them first. Matthew 18 says, and I lay this whole thing out, right? If you go at it from the angle of winning that person back, like verse 15 says, this works. If you go to them, in person, privately, it works so much of the time. And the other 10% or whatever that it doesn't work, you take someone else with you. It rarely has to escalate beyond that. The word works. Honestly, it's just common sense, right? Talk to the person about it without going to talk to everyone else first. That's how you cause church division and dissension. But it's so hard for us to do. Sometimes we feel like the more Christian thing is to just shut up about it. Right? Just... Close your mouth and bear it. Honestly, that just creates more toxicity in the church. Right? You let it stew in there. In fact, this is your only other option. If you cannot let this go, Matthew 18 is the only option for dealing with it. If you don't want to do that, then you have to let it go. Really and truly, not let it fester and stew in there. Right? You will cause church division and dissension when you don't do it the biblical way. Imagine that. <laughs> Following the Bible sometimes means you have to speak up. In fact, more often than not, the Holy Spirit has me speak up. 
about something. I really, my, my selfish, maybe natural state, I don't want to. It's scary to speak up. But the biblical way to handle this is speak up or drop it. And even when it doesn't work, Jesus has us forgiving them. Did you notice the last line there? Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, I will say it, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. That is not to say treat them horribly. It's not to say treat them, be mean back to them, right? In fact, that's just to say forgive them, but it doesn't mean you have to trust them as family anymore. Right? They aren't living according to the same set of beliefs that you are, so why trust them as if they do? Treating them as a pagan or corrupt tax collector means a person of another religion, uh, therefore another set of values, or a person of no religion and therefore no discernible values. What do we do with those kind of people? We love them to Jesus. That's what we do. We love our enemies, right? Pray for those who persecute us. But you don't have to trust them as family. Trust must be earned. Trust must be earned. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. They are two different things biblically. By the way, this is why leadership has qualifications in God's kingdom. Trust has to be earned. Some people get upset that there are requirements for, say, being a partner at Freedom Valley or being in leadership at Freedom Valley, but the partnership stuff is very simple obedience things like tithing and giving and serving and living a biblical lifestyle. Guess what? Even in God's kingdom, you have to earn trust. Faith without works is dead. They must go hand in hand. We're not talking about a works-based salvation but your faith will naturally produce results if, if rooted in the Holy Spirit. If you're faithful with a little, the Bible says, you'll be faithful with much. I'm talking about trust. And God takes leadership in his church very seriously because it has eternal implications. So if you want to be used more in God's kingdom, obey more. I felt that one in my chest a little bit. If you want to be used more in God's kingdom, obey more. Trust must be earned. God forgives when you ask and when you forgive others, but he'll begin to use you as you begin to earn trust. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. Common misconception number four about forgiveness is that forgiveness is a feeling. There may come a time when you feel forgiveness towards someone. It's true. It can be a feeling. But it doesn't have to be a feeling to be a chosen path. Forgiveness is a choice. It's like love. It's a choice. And forgiveness can look like different things in different phases because it is more of a process than a one-time decision. It can look like the choice to not get them back, even if you have the opportunity It can look like not speaking ill of them to other people, even if given the chance. It can look like just choosing not to dwell on what happened and taking that thought captive. I'm not going to dwell on it and process through it in a healthy way, but I'm not going to sit and dwell on it. Right? It can can look like actively seeking healing for what happened. You know, sitting down with somebody, talking it through, getting some counseling through it. It can look like just saying out loud, I forgive you. Even if those are the hardest three words to say. 
It can look like asking God to forgive them. It can look like asking God even for the feelings of forgiveness. Maybe you don't feel it naturally yet, but you're going to ask God. The first step is just saying, God, help me feel like forgiving them. Because God changes hearts. He can do it. Forgiveness doesn't have to be a feeling. It is a process, and it is a choice. Number five, common misconception. Forgiveness is the belief that they won't mess up again. Not true. Forgiveness is the belief that they will probably mess up again, but choosing love anyway. In fact, if I could add a sixth, didn't get there in time to get the notes up on the screen, but if I could add a sixth in retrospect, the sixth misconception would be that forgiveness is for them, the person who wronged you. It's not. It's for you. They may mess up again. Your unforgiveness wouldn't stop that. But unforgiveness isn't for them. Forgiveness is for you. You've heard the common saying, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison to your spiritual self, to your emotional self, to your mental health. It's a poison in you, and it's not going to do anything to them. Clear your soul. Choose love anyway. Doesn't mean you have to trust them again or allow them the same access to your life. There can be boundaries in forgiveness. But we get so confused about trust and forgiveness and our thoughts get really twisted and and backward and upside down when we are wronged. So much so that it begins to come between us and God. So much so that we then believe it's our responsibility to not forgive. That it's our right. And then we begin to convince ourselves that it's also our job to get them back for what they did. That somehow holding out unforgiveness in our heart will stop them from doing it again. And because of this, we have some common misconceptions about justice, too. I don't think a teaching on forgiveness is actually fully complete without a bit of teaching on justice as well. So I have one more scripture and one more quick list for you before we're done today. Romans 12, verse 17 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. They are thirsty. Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Have you ever heard kill them with kindness? It's biblical. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So we have some justice misconceptions, too. Go hand in hand with forgiveness. Number one is that we know vengeance best. When in fact, only God does. Only God does. We often think, I'm the one hurting, right? I'm the one who knows how to hurt them back best. If I just withhold forgiveness, that'll get them. I just let them know, always remind them constantly that I'm still mad. And I will never not be mad. 
God knows vengeance. The reality is only God knows justice best. Our systems of justice are just cheap knockoffs of God's system. We've seen our justice system fail. We've seen how flawed it can be. God's not flawed. God's systems don't fail. We can trust God with vengeance. He reads hearts and minds, not just words, not just fancy lawyer words. He reads hearts and minds, right? And that should also scare you a little bit. Because if you're unrepentant, we often look at this whole teaching as the other person, whoever wronged us, right? But God reads hearts and minds. If you're unrepentant, he can see that too. You're not forgiving. He can see that too. An apology without change is just manipulation. God can tell the difference, I promise. You can't manipulate God. And the amazing thing is the more you follow him and serve him, the more you can see through the haze of of revenge and keeping score. And just shrug things off and know that God is going to fight your battles. All you have to do is trust him with it. God knows vengeance best. Number two, we're being asked to forgive too much. This is just this misconception, number two. We're being asked to forgive too much. Maybe it is too much. Now, this is the only one that I could maybe sometimes agree with because it shouldn't have happened to you. We live in a world where evil exists Like I said, choice must exist for love to exist. So sometimes things happen not because God did them to us or or because we deserve it, just because we live in a messed up, sinful, selfish world. And these are the consequences of sin. Not our own, even sometimes. We have to live out other people's consequences of sin. And it's not fair, and we shouldn't have to. But God has a purpose for right now, right? Someday he's going to come back and he's going to fix the world. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible says. Today is not that day. So there must be a plan and a purpose for today. He will turn all things into good. That's not to say God does the evil things to you, but he turns them all into good for those that love the Lord. So the attitude isn't that I've been asked to forgive too much. How could I forgive all of this? The attitude is, no, I've been forgiven of so much. I've been forgiven of so much. In comparison with what Jesus has forgiven me of, this isn't too much to ask. I've been forgiven of so much. See, Christians... We get into the trap of thinking sometimes, like, I could never do what they did. How dare they? I would never, right? Get up on our high horse and we, I would never. Can't believe they would do that. We should constantly be saying, if not for Jesus, I'd be the same. If not for Jesus, I probably would be doing the same things be making the same decisions. I'd be acting selfishly just like that. If not for Jesus. It might be too much to ask to forgive. It shouldn't have happened to you. 
But I've been forgiven of so much, too. Jesus didn't have to forgive me. It is a gift. It is a gift. Number three. Just this misconception, number three. If I forgive, they won't change. Actually, forgiveness is a much more effective change agent than revenge. Much more effective. Forgiveness convicts. That kill him with kindness concept. Keep burning coals of shame on their head, I believe the Bible put it. Forgiveness is much more convicting. It's much more life-changing. I don't know about you, but I've had these powerful moments with God sometimes in worship where I'm just pouring out my heart to him, and I say, God, I, I know I don't deserve your presence. I messed up. I'll probably do it again tomorrow. <laughs> I don't deserve you. Or I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I don't deserve you. And does God in that moment heap burning shame coals on my head? Every time I have that honest conversation with God, he says, but I love you. He just gives love back. And that's convicting enough to make me want to change every time. True, deep heart change. Not surface level. Oh, guilt pushes people away from God. Guilt is what Satan does to you. Shame is what Satan does to you when you mess up. What it does, it makes you want to run far away. It makes you want to push God far away. You can't see this. I'm too ashamed. I want to run away, far, far away, and turn my back on God completely. Conviction is the Holy Spirit's version, and it pours love into your soul <laughs> while also holding you accountable, and it pulls you toward God. That's the difference. Holy Spirit beautifully convicts us sometimes, <laughs> helps us see where we need to change, where we need to step up, where we haven't doing, been doing things correctly or in a healthy way. But it makes us want to change at the same time. I have seen people around these altars get powerfully saved and in the same breath, they'd never want to touch a cigarette again. Or if they were stuck in drugs, they never want to. Now, this doesn't always happen, but there have been some miraculous salvations where immediately that thing is broken in their lives. They don't want to go back ever. They've never once since the day they gave their life to Jesus had an urge to do that thing again, whatever was holding them in bondage. It's amazing. It's beautiful. The Holy Spirit's conviction is beautiful. It's not condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ. God doesn't hold things against you. He isn't the angry guy up in the sky wagging his finger at you. God is smiling on you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He just wants to call you back to him. He wants to help you see what you're doing is hurting you. can't hurt God. It's hurting you. He wants the best for you. He calls you back. That's the difference between conviction and guilt. And so we have to turn around and show that to others. That's what we are called to. If I forgive, they won't change, right? You can't control that. 
But all I know is that forgiveness is a powerful change agent. I have forgiven and I'm free. They're free. (laughs) We both get to move forward into what God has for us. There is no shame hanging over our heads anymore. Justice misconception number four. An eye for an eye is the only way to conquer evil. And in fact, the verse that we read says, you conquer evil. Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. An eye for an eye is actually a biblical concept. I don't know if you knew that. We have a lot of these rough biblical concepts floating around in our culture, right? An eye for an eye is actually a biblical concept, but it was meant to be a limit to human justice in a courtroom because we tend to take revenge too far. We get an eye taken and we want to take their whole face, right? Their whole family's eyes. (laughs) We want to go harder because it hurts. How dare they? But it was meant to be a limit to human justice, not a right given to anyone wronged. God is so good. He won't allow evil to exist forever. God always takes action if you can let go. Let him take action. As long as you're holding out with that unforgiveness in your heart, He can't. He usually won't. That's not to say he can't, but he won't act on your behalf. But when you let go, he forgives you too. He always takes action if you forgive. He is also graceful though. Full of grace. Which means he gives each of us ample opportunity to repent and be forgiven. Doesn't always happen on your time. Someone has wronged you. You want them swiftly taken care of. We can trust God with justice. Because only he can decide when enough is truly enough. Only he can decide. And we have to trust him with that. And so, we must be people of forgiveness. We must release the right that we feel to take vengeance upon ourselves and allow God to do what only he does best. The kingdom, kingdom of God is more of a mindset than a place for now. We get to live here in this world, but we are made of different stuff in the world, but not of it, right? Our thoughts, our behaviors, how we condition our minds is so important. I believe God had me hang on to wild a little longer because there's some things today. We have to forgive. We have to make a choice that we're going to forgive. Not for their sake, for ours some unforgiveness in our lives that is holding us back from all that God has for us. He wants so much for you. He's not only for you, he's with you. Some of you, as I'm talking, you're having this thing bubble up inside of you a little bit. Shoving it down. That's not me. I could never. Or I've already forgiven, but there's still that something. 
Let it go. Maybe you need to have an honest conversation with God today. Submit to him. It's hard to forgive. I'm struggling to forgive this person. Change my heart. Change my heart. Let me forgive them. Help me forgive them. And God wants to be in that decision with you. He wants to have that conversation with you. Jesus came to make God himself accessible to us through forgiveness. Jesus came so that we, each and every one of us, would be forgiven of our own sin and selfishness, of our pride and deceit. He came knowing we would sin over and over again to forgive us. He came to help us live in community with the world again, that, that we would be able to see that we, each and every one of us, are made in God's image. We are his image bearers on planet Earth. And we're meant to live in community. We're meant to repay our enemies good for evil. Return blessings for curses. If, if our enemies are hungry, we feed them. If they are thirsty, we give them something to drink. We win people back. That's who we are. God is our Father. We are children of His. This is the new identity in Christ. We are people of forgiveness. We choose to walk in forgiveness. Instead of dull, passionless selfishness, we are vibrant, passionate, and selfless. Because that's who our leader is. That's who Jesus is. We're going to tame the wild emotions, fears, pain, hurt. Because that's who Jesus has called us to be. And so today I would just ask you, bow your head, close your eyes. Not that you're hanging your head in shame, because in God's presence, you don't have to be ashamed. Just that you would get a, a moment alone with your thoughts in a room full of people, just you and the Holy Spirit. Have an honest conversation with him today. hearts and minds. Set us free. Let us step into all that you have for us, truly choosing forgiveness, even when it hurts. That we would follow in your footsteps by laying down our lives for others. Setting aside our own desires and fears and failures and pain choosing to walk in freedom that we would be unburdened in your presence today maybe there's some things you need to forgive maybe it's someone else or maybe you need to forgive yourself been holding some things over your own head, some failures you keep beating yourself up about. Or maybe some things that if someone's hurt you, you just can't bring yourself to make that choice. I just want to pray for you today. 
Maybe today you're saying, I messed up so much. My thoughts, my emotions, my head and my heart are are so out of whack. I know things are crazy and I've never truly given my life to Jesus. But I want a fresh start today. I want the forgiveness of my creator. I want to truly follow Jesus, learn a better way to live. Understand what it means to be his disciple. To walk in freedom. Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you've done here today in our hearts and minds. Thank you for freedom. That on this July 4th, we would not only be able to celebrate our country's freedom and the men and women who died to give us that, but we'd be able to celebrate spiritual freedom, emotional, mental freedom that Jesus died for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for setting us free, releasing the captives from bondage of, of selfishness, the bondage of addiction, the bondage of fear. Thank you for freedom. Father, today as we go from here, I just pray peace over each and every one of us. That we would begin to truly untangle the wild that's grown up in our minds. Give it all to you and walk in freedom. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.